Hello and welcome to Forget the Numbers. On this week's show, we'll discuss how to be an efficient studier, a review of some of the stories in the news, and we're even including a learned signal story this week. And also we'll get to some student questions. So my name is Alan Lynch and today I'm joined by Kate Gleason, who's part of our student success team. Hi everyone. So let's get straight into it and let's talk about some efficient studying techniques. And um, I think that the one thing, Kate, is that nobody studies the same way. Nobody does anything the same way. And you can't kind of say everybody should do an hour a day or three hours a day or never study on Sundays or whatever it might be. Everybody's different. Um, so I think that's important mm-hmm. to recognise at the very beginning that there's no there's no secret formula that 99% of the people could use and then they'll all be efficient yeah. studiers. Um, but I think the one thing where we always talk about when you're being efficient is the cramming. It's the, oh, I don't do anything for six days a week and then I do nine hours in a day. Yeah. You can't do a good nine hours in a day. There's nobody, nobody works. There's nothing you learn in kind of nine hours, I don't think. It's, it's not possible. Um, to study for nine hours and then go, I know everything about a mm-hmm. topic and my brain will retain all nine <laughs> hours of information. Um, like I've tried watching two football matches in a row and you kind of get bored and you stop yeah. watching it because it's just too Your much of the same span, thing. Yeah. yeah, you can only take so much of the same thing. So although there's no necessary prescription about how much to do, um, if you look at our study timetable, for example, and think, oh, well, I need six hours this week to get through that. It's just to be wary of, of splitting that six um, six hours over a number of days rather than doing it um, all in one day. Yeah. And I know people say, oh, I'm very busy. And like they've work, they've family, they've kids, they've social engagements, whatever it might be. Um, but if you think for every 15 minutes you do today, it's 15 minutes. You don't have to do six mm-hmm. hours in a row. And if you can just knock off 15 minutes or half an hour here and there, then by the end of the week, you say, well, how much do I have left? Well, maybe it's only two hours or three hours on the last day if that's how your life works. And it's much better uh, because your brain can only take so much in. Um, I think if you sat and watched every single one of our videos on this topic today, all in one day, how much of that would you really remember? Yes, absolutely. But if you spent an hour watch, an hour each day watching our videos you'd remember a lot more. Yeah. You'd, you'd have a, an understanding of a lot more. Um, so I think coming up with a plan, um, and one thing that I do and I, when people laugh at me is our family diary, the way we have all our kids and everything and we have everything planned and when they're doing that. But knowing the week ahead what your commitment mm-hmm. is to your study I think is really important. Um, sitting on a Sunday evening thinking, oh, I didn't get my study done this week. Mm-hmm. But if you kind of have a little calendar and say, oh, well, after I play five-a-side football on Tuesday, mm-hmm. I do an hour. After I finish work on Wednesday, I do yeah. an hour. I give up three of my work lunch times to studying. Yes. As Monday, Wednesday, Friday, whatever it might be. Having that plan and committing yourself to it, I think, helps as well. Um, but that's, again, different people are different, so you have to just do it in a different way. Um, but just do little bits every now and then. And an efficient studier is somebody who get something out of the week mm-hmm. and, and, and learn something from the week, not just ticking a box. And I'm sure, Kate, you've worked with people in the past who sit at their desk for 14 hours a day mm-hmm. and they think it's just sitting at the desk for 14 hours a day is the the thing to be celebrated. Yes. But what do you? What did they achieve for those 14 yeah. hours? 
and then you feel bad going home after your normal day because well I've done lots today yeah I totally agree um yeah I totally agree and that's why like when we kind of started the new exam cycle for the ACCA specifically and we had the theme of planning which I think was week one because planning is as you say so key in in all of this like that study plan and we obviously released the study plan but we talked about in previous podcast the study plan but also your personal plan you know which you said there you have your family plan um you kind of have all the activities that you're going to commit to as well and then you work it around that and and we talked as well a couple of weeks ago yeah when you go into the office you don't go in and sit down at your desk you go right well this this is what i want to achieve today Mm. these are the hours that i have to achieve it and these are the time that I'm going to allocate for each task. That is effective working. And the same way with studying. If you don't have that plan, there's no point in doing the crazy amount of intense study or the crazy amount of, um, you know, box checking in terms of like, I'm going to watch this amount of videos. If you haven't like looked at the amount of time you have and then allocated accordingly. Yeah. And I think like that's really useful. And it is. And people find planning boring. Um, and people say, oh, I don't like my life planned. But if you don't plan it, somebody else will plan it or it'll just drift away. And I think the difference, what we're saying now, if this is three weeks before exam, people will be cramming and they say, oh, I have to remember these seven points and I have to remember these 15 points and I have to remember everything about this subject. But studying this early and studying efficiently is not about when you watch a video or when you read some notes that you remember everything. It's just Mm. building up familiarity because then what will happen when we get to things like boot camp you go oh there's a question in that present value I kind of know how to do that mm. I can give that a good attempt and when you attempt that question you compare it to the answer you learn more so it really is just preparing yourself with adequate knowledge to take on something like boot camp rather than people are thinking oh if I study now I'm eight weeks away from the exam if I study now I'm studying too early I won't remember everything I've remembered mm. in eight weeks time but it's not about remembering and it's not I think ACCA have been very clear it's no longer about regurgitation of knowledge it's about application yes. because that's what your employer wants your employer doesn't want you to be able to regurgitate the 10 the 10 main points about IFRS 16 mm-hmm. what they want you to do is to be able to say okay we have a problem with this yeah what would you suggest that works for us yes and, and that's what they're looking for yes and I think the main thing about studying efficiently is you don't have to give up your life to study. Yeah. People think that, oh, well, I study all the time. I'm taking out my ACCA. My life is done. If you do, if you have it well planned, if you have it well managed, if you start early enough and do a little and often, it doesn't actually have to get in the way. It doesn't have to be the end of the end of your, your life as you know it for the next six to eight weeks. And I think that's where people make the... Why they start? Part of the reason why they start so late is to think, oh well, I have to give up absolutely everything to study, so I'm going to give up everything for as short a time as possible. Mm-hmm. But you don't. If you mm-hmm. if you can, if you study early enough and if you plan it well enough and if you're efficient enough with your time, and when you have an hour free, make it a real hour. Don't kind of mess around for twenty minutes getting your seat comfortable and getting your computer at the right angle. Really use that hour properly. Yeah. You you could get by without really feeling under pressure I think Um, and we know from our survey recently that still the majority of students are still still start studying for a subject with four weeks to go Mm -hmm. to an exam which is well I don't want to use the word crazy but it's a little bit crazy (laughs) it's it's a little bit hopeful yeah Um, 
And as you said about your job, if, if you had three months to do a project in your job, you'd start planning with three months out and make sure to give yourself plenty of time. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't say, well, I'm going to go for nice lunches for two months and then I'll do it all in the mm-hmm. last four weeks. Because if that didn't work out, that would be a big deal. And I think that's the equivalent of failing an exam. So I think that's that's the studying efficiently. Yeah. Um, we have all the go and get your study timetable, uh, download that and use that. Um, put your own plan together. If you download the study timetable in Excel, you can put a column to the right hand side. You can put your own calendar as part of that. Just use Google Calendar or whatever calendar you have connected to your email. Um, set up some times in that. Work around your own time. Get up a half an hour earlier in the morning, whatever it might take. But um, be clever about your time and, and using your time. Um, and I think you will become a more efficient studier and you will notice a difference in your life as you build yeah. up to exams, but also in your exam results. Yeah. And don't have regrets. Start early. Don't have regrets because <laughs> so many students do have regrets. And then the worst thing is to have regrets and then they make the same mistake yeah. over and over again and then wonder why I'm still failing all exactly. the time. Exactly. Yeah. Do, do it right and do it right the first time and then you won't have to do it again. Yeah. And you talked about that in the last podcast, the previous survey results, right? So it's yes. important to go, um, right, I'm going to learn from other people's mistakes or what other people did well and listen to that podcast. It's it's really worthwhile. And then don't have the regrets because you've been, you've been told start early, do a little bit often. Okay. Well, I think that's all we need to do on um, being an efficient studier. If you're enjoying listening to the Forget the Numbers podcast, we'd really appreciate if you could rate us on your podcast provider. So now, Kate, we're going to move on to some um, interesting news stories. Maybe they're just interesting for me, but hopefully (laughs) other people will find them interesting too. Um, I think everybody likes gold. um, Yes. And I guess people associate that with gold with nice things and and with money. Um, As unusual, because gold usually um, fluctuates in price because of the economy. So if the economy is doing badly, generally people um, buy gold because it's safer. Yeah. Um, What's interesting is actually the price of gold is increasing um, at a time when the economy is doing better. Yeah. Um, And I guess you might look at Brexit and you look at different things and and our good friend Donald um, still doing a sterling job in the US. (laughs) Um, So that was irony, just in case anybody (laughs) didn't pick that up. Um, So I think what's happening is it's actually currency. So when people are looking at their certain topics, and I'm thinking even advanced financial management here, when you're looking at currencies, um, the price of gold is going up not because the the dollar ver- so gold is priced in dollars not because dollars are going the dollar price is going mm-hmm. up but it's actually because of all the uncertainty against other currencies is causing the price of gold to increase so that's really uh, kind of a strategic thing because when companies are looking to invest money um, it's the impact of changing it into another currency is important to consider. And again, advanced financial management or, or even SBL, when you're looking at case studies, it's taking these things into account because it's a very strategic decision on which currencies to use, what currencies to buy and what currencies to spend in. So because of gold has effectively become cheaper for people in other currencies, they're buying more and driving the cost of it up. So, um, and interestingly, and something I didn't know was that the biggest buyer in the world is India of gold. Really? Yeah. So that's a new one. Um, And on a retail basis. So um, for retail businesses or retail manufacturing, um, India is the biggest buyer of gold. So there's a tidbit of information that a lot of people probably didn't know. So what... um 
in terms of how this would fit in um, for somebody working in finance? How, how would you... Well, there's a number of different ways. So there's there's putting together a a strategy. Like, so if you're working in a in a fund business, for example, yeah. and you're looking to invest, um, do you invest in gold? The the difficulty about gold is always seen as a safe safety option, mm-hmm. because if you buy a share in I don't know Facebook or Google or any other company, there's always the possibility of getting dividends. Yes. With gold, gold doesn't pay dividends. Gold doesn't have. Gold, the only benefit you're getting is for price increasing or yes. decreasing. So gold is always seen as a kind of longer term, safer option. Um, so it might fluctuate in price, but over time you'd expect it to continuously going up. Um, but it's always, it's a safe thing to put in. It's that whole boring saying in investing is don't put all your eggs in one basket. Mm-hmm. So like if you have 100,000 euro, you, you shouldn't put it all in high risk wind farms in the Indian yeah. Ocean. <laughs> but <laughs> just in case it doesn't actually come off. But you want to kind of say, well, you want a certain amount of money that you know you'll always be 99% sure yeah. that it's relatively safe. So gold is one of those nice things, similar to like UST bills and investing in, in certain governments. It's one of those nice areas that, yes, you might lose or, or gain a bit and you can always pick your timing when to move out of it, but it's it's relatively safe. Um, and some people would see boring as or as safe as being boring, um, but there's a lot of poor millionaires out there now where they have forgotten about the safe part and <laughs> thought about, no, let's do the wind farm in India. There's going to be a 75% return. <laughs> Well, if it's, what's that other saying? If it's too good to be true, it probably is. So <laughs> always be aware of that as well. Um, life advice. <laughs> it is good. Life advice too. You get everything on this podcast. Um, the other story was really interesting. And initially it doesn't seem like a business story, which was how San Francisco has become the first US city to ban the sale of e-cigarettes. And the reason why I've done that is until there's enough uh, studies on health yeah. to prove that they're actually safe. And if you think, I don't know, well, they'll eventually prove everything is bad for you, I think. Um, so the chances are something might come out. But until that's conclusively proved, they, they've um, they've banned the sale of them. And when I looked at this first, I was thinking, oh, the use of them, but they've actually banned the sale of them. And um, that's interesting And because you, you usually say, oh, well, big companies can lobby local governments. Mm. And there's a company called Jewel Labs mm. and... They are the most popular e-cigarette producer in the US. Mm-hmm. So like the first city um, to ban this has banned them in the home of a really popular seller, sure, which is not something we'd ever expect to see in Ireland ever yeah. happening, to be honest, and a number of countries. So it's, a, it's, a, it's quite the statement to local yeah. business. It's quite the, the standalone. Um, and if you're the biggest provider in the US, you would think you have quite relatively big lobbying yes. powers. So it's a really interesting... Um, a really interesting story from that perspective and again when you're looking at case studies in SBL it often comes up about like what the impacts local government can have on you what what are the impacts um regulatory wise that are out of your control yeah that if certain things happen how much will they affect your business yeah and I think you can imagine if they're not have met already the people in Jewel Limited um or Jewel Labs are definitely meeting now and kind of well, what's the impact on that? What's sure. that saying about your your product? Uh, what bracket is that putting you in? Because they're not saying it's unsafe. They're saying you can't sell them till it's proved safe. Sure, absolutely. It just pre- puts pressure on them for research, then, right? Yeah. So um, it'll be it'll be a very interesting yeah. one. And that I is think, really interesting. Uh, with something like this, 
local governments feel well if we don't ban them and they end up being unsafe we look bad yeah so you sometimes yeah. think will this be a there'll be a huge will there be a big knock-on effect yes. at cities worldwide yeah. um, because i actually did read prior to this that there is a big epidemic in well not necessarily an epidemic but in the u.s a lot of um school children are, are smoking e-cigarettes so there's been a lot of internal lobbying within the schools yeah. um, to, to stop like school children smoking these because it's obviously like they're you know it, it's perceived as the cool thing to do yeah. but, but you know children need to be protected if you know, because we've come out and said, well, smoking causes cancer. And there's been obviously massive change even in the advertising industry in terms of what cigarette companies can do. And it's massively now regulated. But it has been this grey area. And if you are putting out products, you need to have the research behind to back them, particularly your product like that, if it is particularly popular with a younger cohort, mm. you know. Oh, yeah, it's, it, it'll be an interesting thing. And it's a big topic, but uh, um, it, it's partly out of interest but it's very relevant for anybody doing case study or scenario questions about the impact of regulation and the impact on governments and to consider those ideas because that's quite a regular question that comes up not just at SBL but in a number of things about the the outside influences on your company strategy Yeah, because that company now has to relook at its strategy because sure. it now has to consider well what will everybody else do what what type of effect will this have so um, it'd be quite a if you weren't heavily involved in the country, company it'd be very interesting to, to listen to observe it yeah but I'm sure there's a lot of there's, they're going to need a lot of funding right for the research I, w- I would have yeah. thought so and finally, Kate, and maybe you'll tell us a bit about this, Learn Signal were in the news this week. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's very exciting. <laughs> uh, we got an, we're on an article on Fora.ie. Yes. Um, yeah, so very exciting times for Learn Signal. Um, we were just, um, our CEO, Philip, was asked to talk about, essentially about the company expansions, what we're doing, um, like our global reach. We obviously have significant um, country numbers. I think we're at 160. Um, so for um, so for I, I guess a business to be able to reach students across the globe on on such scale is really significant. It's a really interesting news story, and we're also having really interesting learnings in terms of how different countries learn. And you know, um, we get really good feedback from the education team from Alan and Connor in terms of um, you know different di- different things that are going on in different countries. So thank you so much for the students for that because um, we always appreciate your feedback and then obviously we have a hundred thousand students that have um registered with learning signal so significant number so it's a really good news story and then philip was also talking about um some of the changes which alan's been across as well so what we're doing with cpd what we're courses we're adding how we're different to 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 kind of the other providers in the market so alan you're 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 setting that tone for us as well. We are. We're opening our starting our CBD product soon. Well, it's it's live now, but you you'll hopefully see more about it in the next coming weeks. And yeah, no, I think it's very exciting, and I think we're we are continuing the trend of doing things our way and slightly different. And I think students are more and more signing up to that way. Yeah. And, and hopefully, we'll continue to do so. So I think it's very exciting times for the company. Each week at the end of the show, we answer questions sent in by our listeners. You can send your questions in by email to podcast at learningsignal.com or tweet us at learningsignal. Um, so now we move on to some student questions and we've had quite a few this week. So we've kind of merged a number of them um, that were 
in around the same topic so there's no necessarily one student that gets credit for the questions this week it's kind of a merging of questions that we got um, asked during the week um, on our 24-7 help desk and also um, some things that came up in Connor's webinar last Friday so Kate is going to provide some sage advice today. Um, so Kate, is it worth finding several different places to study for your ACCA to kind of mess around or change up your environments? Yes. I mean, I think the answer for this is is obviously there's no right or wrong answer for one particular person. But there are always going to be different environments that suit different types of studying. For example, I remember when I was studying for exams, certain um certain friends of mine would need to be in a really quiet environment to read out loud what they were studying so um, they would need to be, you know, there maybe, for example, if you take Learn Signal, looking at a lecture, then looking at the, the notes and then rereading, repeating that to themselves because they needed to hear it. Then I was more of a studier that I quite liked a library environment where you're working with people that are also in a working, productive environment and you're not doing it alone. And then some people like, you know, more of a public environment that they're going into a coffee shop and you obviously, the nice thing about if, if you take Learning Signal, for example, you can open up your laptop or your mobile phone and you can watch a lecture there and then, and then again, you're in a public environment. So the answer to that question is yes, I do think it's worth testing if you haven't found that sweet spot for you because you could be doing certain things that isn't conducive to how you take in information. And the important thing is, which we've constantly stressed throughout this podcast, is it's not necessarily about the amount of time you're doing. It's about the information that you're taking in and whether you're learning it. And exactly what Alan said, for Alan's able to now go, well, I'm able to read news articles and apply that within an accounting point of view or a finance point of view. And you want to get to that stage that you're actually understanding information to be able to apply it. So I would say, yes, test it. Um, try a few different environments and see what works for you. So take a couple of hours and go, do, am, I produ- am I kind of best when I'm outside of the house? Because maybe you get distracted if you, for example, love cleaning and you might decide, oh, I'm going to just do this. Or So I would say try a couple of different environments and then the one that works for you, like that sweet spot where you feel, I'm really understanding this. I, I could definitely understand an exam question. Then um, try and kind of work that more into your schedule, into your schedule. So listen to Kate, that was great advice. And the, the second question, and I think we talked before, um, before we start recording today, I'm having this issue right now, so I'm really interested in this response. <laughs> this could determine how I study my course I'm doing now. No pressure. Um, <laughs> but should you outline and rewrite notes? Yes, um, it really depends on. So, for example, if you take a notes, it depends on how complex the information that you're studying is. But again, the importance, the important piece is that you understand that piece of information. So generally, the you know, if you're if you're basically studying, for example, again, on learning signals, so you're doing a lecture and you're taking down notes, you're going to take top level notes down. So that's just in context of you first meeting that piece of information. So if you're sitting in an exam, what you need to then go is, right, well, what does the exam question look for look like in this? So you're looking at the information for the first time, you're taking down your top level notes. Well, this is the important piece. This is what I think, you know, this is this is what the lecturer is saying to me on the video. Are you subsequently going to the notes that we have and you take 
take top line notes down. Then you need to go one step further. So, right, well, what are the top line levels of information within these notes? So that's when you rewrite, right, well, I need to pull out this bit, this bit, this bit. And then you need to put in the context of examples. So what type of exam question are you going to get with this? And then how you apply it in. So generally what I did, I'm not saying that this is right, but if you were sitting an exam, you would get... Um, before you start the exam question, what I would always do is you have your notes, you get your exam question, you write it. And then I always do like a mind map down. So, right, well, these are the points that I need to refer to. This is what I need to pull out from the from the lecture that I've watched. These are the examples that I want to, want to pull in. And you write all those top level pieces. Um, and we're constantly saying it, application of regurgitation. Understand that information. And I think when you're pulling in the top line stuff and you've done that mind map, the minute you go into an exam hall, you remember those key pieces that you've you've written out as well. Now, you need to do this in context in also um, uh, in kind of collaboration with you know, sitting in exam mock paper, that type of piece. But I always rewrite stuff to really understand it. And then when you're in the exam hall, you can remember those top line uh, key pieces of information. What do you think, Alan? I think I'm going to go and do that tonight, <laughs> to be quite honest, because that sounds like a, a great plan. And maybe it will solve my personal problems as much as hopefully help all the students. Um, so that's all we've got for you this week. Um, please send us in questions that you have because we will talk about them. We will find a time to talk about them on the podcast. And the more relevant we can make it to you, um, the better it'll help you guys as well. So all the best with your make yourself making yourself an efficient studier this week. Um, we'll talk to you again next week. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone.